Somebody say, I'm all the way up. Okay, you're sounding like you're, on, you're on, on the second floor. That's not how we sound up there. Somebody say, I'm all the way up. I need, I need them to hear you at CN Tower. All right, this volume won't cut it yet. Somebody say, I'm all the way up. Okay, sounding, sounding a bit more like it. Glory to God. All right, so last week, thank God for the amazing time we had in his presence. We started the conversation all the way up. Psalm chapter 61, verse 1 to 4. Psalm chapter 61, verse 1. You know, some Sundays, I come to you and I tell you to pray for me. Because I know the word about to be released. For my intercessors, it's not everybody. My intercessors, this is one of those Sundays. Amen. Glory to God. Psalm chapter 61 from verse 1 to 4. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. All right. For many years, we thought that was higher than I. Like, higher than I. All right. Praise God. Let's just move on. I, verse 4, verse 4, or let's go to verse 3. Sorry, let's go to verse 3. It says, for thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. Verse 4, I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert or in the covering of your wings. Selah. Glory to God. Glory to God. So last week we started the conversation that your heart will begin to get overwhelmed principally under two circumstances. One, when you begin to play the role of Abba. And secondly, when your physical eyes are seen more clearly than your spiritual eyes, your heart will be overwhelmed. And the solution is to rise above to that high place. It's a place where you gain perspective and everything begins to take its rightful size. Somebody say glory to God. So this morning, I'm trusting the Lord to help us. The word this morning is the law of incubation. The law of incubation. Whenever God brings you, whenever God brings me to this high place, disconnecting us from the very things that got us to that place and that position of being overwhelmed, Part of what happens in that secluded place is incubation. Somebody say incubation. Luke chapter 1 verse 21 to 24. Luke chapter 1 verse 21 to 24. Please follow. I know it's not Christmas and we're reading Luke chapter 1. All right, but please follow. The Lord has a word for us. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. I believe we know this story. But for the benefit of those who are connecting with us and you are just interacting with this story, Zacharias was in the temple performing his priestly duties when he saw an angel that told him that he in his old age with his wife, Elizabeth, were going to have a son. And by the time it was forming lyrical and forming deep and forming medical doctor, forming gynecologist for the angel, the angel said, you are, you are, you are, we are going to have to zip you up until this thing happens. All right. And it came to pass. And it came to verse 22. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. 
after he had waited for so long. How many of you agree with me that God, this is a complete digression, but let me say this very quickly. Although we live in the realm of time, we are privy to have some experiences of what eternity will look like. Zechariah was having a conversation with an angel that was captured in a few sentences, right? But he tells us that the people were waiting and waiting and waiting. That means when an angel says, fear not. How many seconds does it take you to hear it in time? But in eternity, that fear not could be like, I don't know, maybe five hours. Fear not. Like, hours. And, and to you, what you hear is fear not. But the people in time, they are waiting. Is somebody getting this? So when we begin to worship, sometimes you get lost in his presence and you just check the time. Where did all of the time go? You, 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 you had a glimpse of eternity. And I pray for you that your quiet time will begin to enjoy such richness. In the mighty name of Jesus. So he tells us they waited for a long time. They waited for a long time. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple for he beckoned on them and remained speechless. What that means essentially is he was communicating with sign language. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. Please listen to verse 24. That is where we are going this morning. And after those days, his wife... Elizabeth conceived. That's already a miracle. At her age, she had no business conceiving. But the word of the Lord had come and had said it was going to happen and it had happened. However, what she was carrying was the seed of a dream. It was the seed of a prophecy. Zechariah's dumbness was not, on, on, or was not reversed when she conceived. The promise was not that she will conceive. It was that she will conceive and bear a son. I hope someone is with us this morning. Meaning that the, there is a twofold dimension to the accomplishment of God's promise in our lives. There is the release of the word which leads to a conception. In medicine, it's called an implantation. Where the word, the seed finds a place in the womb. And there begins to attract nutrients. And begins to grow. And he says, Elizabeth, sensing... That this is a precious moment of destiny. She hid herself five months. Is that in your Bible? God had spoken. The promise had come. The prophecy had, had, had there were multiple confirmations. I saw it clearly in my dream. The prophet called me out. He said my name. He said the color of my, my dress. He gave me my address. It was God's word to me. What has taken place is conception. Somebody say conception. Having conceived, she hid herself five months. She hid herself. This, this, the whole of heaven was interested in the birth of this baby. Why hide yourself? Why don't you go out there and post on Facebook and Instagram and say, God has shamed my mockers. Look at my tummy. God has shamed them. Baby coming, baby loading. This was an angel that came to announce this. I'm coming to, I, 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 I'm, I'm going somewhere with us this morning. That there is such a thing as an authorized word from heaven. 
that found a place to take conception, but many of us experienced careless, careless care. Boy, oh boy. Did somebody get that? Careless care of the seed. We did not understand the principle of incubation that when God begins to beckon us to this place that is higher than I, not everybody has to know. They can't deal with the seed, but they cannot, they cannot argue with the miracle. When that baby comes, if you like, say it's not a baby. That's your business at that point. But there's a point where what I'm carrying is a seed. And your words may carry power. She hid herself five months. Wow. Five months. Can we see it in the NLT? And maybe one more version in the good news. And we get into it. Hmm. It says, soon afterward, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and went into seclusion. Went into seclusion for five months. Went into, she wasn't going everywhere. She wasn't picking every phone call. She wasn't having every conversation. Why? Because now I'm carrying something that is destiny sensitive. I'm sorry I was on that Zoom last time, but I can't join that Zoom no more. Why? Because I've received the word from God. Now I'm carrying something. I know we've been besties for 20 years, but now God is beckoning me to this higher place. And well, there's room for you there, but if you ain't coming... Hid herself five months. Let's see it in the good news. If you have it for us. Thank you. It says, Elizabeth became pregnant. In, in case you are wondering what eat and seclusion meant, she did not leave the house. She didn't leave the house. I don't know. Don't, don't ask me. Maybe she was doing Uber Eats or Skip the Dishes or Amazon. I don't know how she was enjoying deliveries, but she did not leave the house. What's the implication of this for you and for me? There is an incubation process for the dream that God has put in you. And God is expecting you and I to be wise custodians. That in this high place, transformation happens. And if it's going to be real transformation, transform, can I just say this now? Transformation does not take place in the open square. Trans real transformation doesn't take place in the open the word transform really is from the, from the concept of metamorphosis. And biologists or, 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 or what are they called? The, the guys that do plant. Botanists, zoologists, they will understand that really, really well. That the great butterfly, beautiful, you see, with all of those wings, did not start out that way. Nobody gave birth to a butterfly. Nobody. It starts as this egg. And this warm-like looking thing. And it skins a cocoon. Somebody say a cocoon. That is the atmosphere for metamorphosis. It's shielded from the noise. It's shielded from intruders. It's shielded from your opinion. Oh, Zacharias, it can't be possible. You have a neurological problem. You didn't see no angel. Hey, Elizabeth, what's going on? Is it fibroid? the only thing in a matter of months you will know what I carry in a matter of months we will tell what this seed is but for now I am going to be in incubation somebody say glory to God somebody say glory to God hmm. 
So your testimonies, somebody's processing this. But God has done it. Yes, we testify of what God has done. If God is doing it, let's keep, let's keep rejoicing. Let's keep rejoicing. There's a wisdom that needs to come back to the body of Christ. If God is doing it, let's keep praising him. When he's done it, we'll praise him. And the Bible says to praise him in the congregation of the saints, not in the congregation of social media. Because in the congregation of the saints, chances are that most of us here will rejoice with you. Chances. Amen? But in the other congregation, the other congregation, then it's not rejoicing with you. It's not rejoicing. And woe betide you if your testimony is even fake. They will, they, <clears throat> you'll be attracting wrath for what is not even yours. You know, you're just strolling by, you just see someone's BM, you just post by, you know, God, God is faithful. You know, something really scriptural, something really deep. Jesus did it. You know, and you just, and somebody's BM. And it's not even your own. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm all the way up. I'm all the way up. And when we are all the way up, we don't talk too much there. We don't show too much there. There's so much God is doing, but we don't have to say too much about it. Not because we are scared of what any man can do. No. But it's a place. It's, it's, it, even if I was trying to talk, you will need to come up to here. And if you can't come up to here, you won't understand. And let me tell you what the world does. When the world can't come up to here, what the world does is to pull you down again. To force you. What are you really saying? God called you. God called who? They've lied to you again. Glory to God. So let's dive into it. Number one reason. I'm going to show us five things that happen in the place of incubation. This high place that God has called us to. Five important things that happen. Number one, it provides an atmosphere for real transformation to take place. I think we've said that already. It provides an atmosphere for real, genuine transformation. It's, it's as though God is spinning you in a cocoon and is allowing some things to go on in that place. It's not a public place. It's a secluded place. It's a place of growth. It's a place of development. It's a place of discipline. It's a place of character building. That the person who went in and the person who comes out of it are completely different people by all standards. If you grow taller or you grow shorter or you grow wider or you grow slimmer, that is change. That is, that is, that is, that is incremental. But there's exponential change that you are coming out of a season and you don't look like who you were. That's transformation. And it doesn't take place in the market square. It takes place in a place of incubation. A place of seclusion. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Everything will be founded on scripture because that is what is going to inspire faith in you. Luke chapter 9 verse 28. And it came to pass about an eight days after these sayings, it took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain. Somebody saying to a mountain. He went to a secluded place. Why? Because there was something about to happen. Verse 29. And as he prayed, he says the fashion of his countenance was altered. And his raiment was white and glistening. Is that in your Bible? 
For those who are not familiar with this story, this is the account of the transfiguration. The same word, the metamorphosis of Jesus. Jesus didn't go on the sea of Galilee. You know, when the Pharisees are saying, who are you? Where did you come from? How can you talk about Abraham like that? How would you say God is your father? He didn't feel a need in that moment to just say, boy, oh boy, I need to show this guy something. He says, Peter, oh my coffee. You know, you, um, James, don't allow the bag of fall. Just hold it well. Hold it. I want to show them something. Moses, Elijah, clothes. If you have to announce the clothes to start shining, you, don't, you have no clue what transformation is. That is show. That you, are, you are a stuntsman. You are a clown. You are a show, showman. Or showwoman. Glory to God. He went to a secluded place. He felt no need to impress them and to prove to them. He knew that transformation really and truly takes place in seclusion. Takes place in hiding. Galatians chapter 1 verse 17 and verse 18. Trusting the Lord to help us with our time this morning. Galatians chapter 1 verse 17 and verse 18. Neither, this is Paul speaking, talking to the guys, <clears throat> talking to the Galatians. It says, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia hmm, and returned again unto Damascus. Can you hear what Paul is saying here? Do you remember this guy, Paul? You remember this same guy who was busy authorizing the death, the killings of believers. And when he saw that the high priests were too slow, he said, you guys are waiting for bureaucratic approvals for, for you. He said, I will do it. And they said, well, budget has not been approved. I will sponsor it. Well, we don't have a team deployed yet. I have a team. We don't have cars. I have chariots. Just give me signatures. I'm going all the way to Damascus. Everywhere there is any believer, we are going to snuff them out and we are going to ensure that we, we won't just kill them in private. We'll kill them publicly. So if there's anyone anywhere considering joining the way, they will see this as a deterrent. And God was smiling. Hmm. Look at my servants that will heal the sick. Look at my servant that will raise the dead. Look at the one that will document revelations. The council mysteries that prophets could not see. And I'm sure all the prophets were watching. Look at Saul wasting his initial years. Not knowing that he's going to serve God. Which is why, hear me child of God, don't be very quick to write anyone off. Don't be very quick to judge and say, you, you are the worst person ever. God can never use you. Hey, you will be shocked what God can do with a life. You'll be shocked. You'll be shocked. And so on his way to Damascus, he sees this great light. And Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I think that is enough basis for me to go back to Jerusalem and say, Hey guys, conference, press conference. Saul sees the light, experiences Jesus, joins the faith. Is that not a perfect headline? Wonderful headline. And then you have the 12 apostles sitting there wearing bulletproofs anyways because we don't trust this guy yet. You know, well shielded and well protected. And Saul says, if you don't believe me, at least believe the guys with me. If you don't believe I was blind, ask brother Ananias, I was actually blind. Now I can see. Jesus showed me a great light. And now I've come to announce to you 12 apostles, 
Your apostleship is now under pressure because Jesus appeared to me. I saw him. I saw a great light. Now, do not call me Saul anymore. Do not even call me Brother Saul. Have you seen light before? When you were walking with Jesus, you were doing fish and bread. Did you see him as light? Only Peter, James, and John, you know. <laughs> can talk to me. The rest of you, <laughs> he didn't do that. Do you know what he did? Look at verse 18. After three years, after three years of praying, three years of fastings, three years of being baked in that oven, Three years of incubation. Three years of downloading mysteries. Three years of understanding grace. Understanding redemption. Three years of unveiling the gospel. He says, then I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter. And even then, I stayed with him 15 days. Every time he spoke about the apostles, he always referred to himself as what? The least among them. If we are to rank them today, we won't rank him as the least. Number one, we stay in the place of incubation because it is a conducive atmosphere for transformation. Number two, in this place of incubation, there is a melting away of entitlement and pressure. There is a melting away of entitlement and pressure. You get to that place and you discover that God gave this dream. God is going to have to bring it to pass. I have looked to man, I have looked to my uncle, I have looked to their promises, sometimes even with the good intentions of their hearts. But if anything, I'm convinced that this vision is too big for them to be the ones to accomplish it. I'm going to need God for this. So entitlement begins to disappear. Pressure begins to disappear. Pressure begins to disappear. Boy, pressure begins to disappear. First Samuel chapter 16 verse 11. First Samuel chapter 16 Verse 11, and Samuel said unto Jesse, are these all your children? And he said, there is still one. It can't be the one you are looking for. There's still one, he's, he's even far. So if you say we should call him, we'll wait a long time. So just, you know, you have options here. Just pick one. Samuel said, no. Not only are we going to wait for him, he said nobody will sit. We are going to stand here. I'm sure Jesse was planning to use his, his care. To go and get David from the wood. When someone said, We're going to stand, say, Please don't take the care, please. That power bike, fast, run down and fetch the boy here. It says in verse 12, and he sent and brought him in. It says, Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look on. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Now look at verse 13. I don't know if it's in your Bible. Samuel took the horn of oil. Can, can you picture this with me? We've been waiting for this guy. We've seen all his brothers with their six packs and their seven feet or whatever feet, all tall and kingly looking in the mold of Saul, which was the only mold that existed at that point. It says, as oil came upon David, the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Is that in your Bible? So what should happen next? Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Okay. I'm, I'm expecting that the next verse should be David rose up and went to the palace. David was about 17. Yeah. He didn't get to the palace. Well, he got to the palace. I'll show you. 
but not as king. He got to that palace as king 13 years after. And even that, his kingdom was not firmly established. He had to first reign over a few tribes. First, before all Israel now came to him. And as someone under the sound of my voice, you have no doubt that God has anointed you and called you for a particular purpose. But I've come to announce to you there's incubation involved in that process. There is a waiting period. God did not lie. Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. And I'm sure Samuel was like, my hands, I'm done, God. I don't even know what you're doing here. At least wait for Saul to die first. But that oil needed to, to start a work of incubation. It needed to kick something started. That was the same oil that they were having a conversation in the palace. And Saul said, look for me, an anointed person that can play the instruments. And, and suddenly that oil was working. He says, a servant said to Saul, there is a boy in the house of Jesse. is an anointed, skillful harpist. Or today, maybe we'll say guitarist. If he's going to play for you, the, the spirit will move. He said, go fetch him for me. Go fetch him for me. Can you please give me verse 18 of First Samuel 16? Let me show you something. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite that is come corning in plain, a mighty valiant man and a man of war, prudent in matters and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. Please let us picture verse 20 together. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread. Can you picture that? Ass there means a donkey. Can you picture a donkey? Hello? Guys, can you picture a donkey? With carrying load. And that load is bread. Now, I know the picture of your bread is different. Some of you have sliced bread. Some of you have the old school bread. The breads that you can pull, you know. You pull it. Amen. Yes. God bless you, my sister. And a bottle of wine and a kid. Kids there doesn't mean a small child. All right? And sent them by David, his son, unto Saul. Can you picture David? Hello, are you still with me, church? So the first time that David is going to that palace, is going as an errand boy. Recently anointed. Powerfully graced by God. But the first entrance is having into that palace. He has a donkey. That donkey has plenty of bread. He's carrying a bottle of wine. There's a kid, there's a little goat with him. And he's just going like this. I'm sure he, looked, he had a strap of his harp. And maybe his catapult in one side pocket, just in case. And he's just there, just going. And he's looking at the palace, looking. And I can imagine the guard shouting, Hey, why are you here? I'm the son of Jesse. Who is Jesse? The king sent for me. You get, as always, there's on the telecom. The, the king is expecting a young boy with an harp. And they look at him. We can only see where a joker here with a donkey. And one small goat. Can you send him away? And as he turned, they saw the harp. Oh, maybe he's the one. Let, let him come in. Can you imagine? The king anointed was at the mercy of guards to get in. And having gotten in, he's just playing instruments. And when the king is done with you, you, you pack your, your what? Your instruments and you do what? You go. You leave the very place that the oil on your head has appointed for you. Why? Because you're in a season of incubation it melts entitlement it melts pressure it melts pressure we live in a time where the pressure around is immense sometimes from well-meaning people sometimes from ill-meaning people 
But in the place of incubation, whether you are well-meaning or you are ill-meaning, your pressure just has a way of not getting to me because I know that I am in a season of preparation. And I'm in a season of preparation. You know, many times we just like to think that people were just born, they just fall from the sky and they just experience this God and they just, you know, get promoted and things just, you know, align, align. We love stories like that. Let me tell you, in life, do not live your life like a blogger. Only bloggers are looking for stories and picking parts of the story that are click-worthy. In real life, life is not click-worthy. There are many ups and downs and twists and turns. But if indeed God spoke, his power is able to bring it to pass. However, this seed that has been sown requires seclusion. Requires incubation. Pressure. 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 Hey, Pastor Dyer, how are you doing? I'm, I'm fine, sir. How is KICC doing? We're fine, sir. How many services are you running now? One service, sir. By now, you ought to be doing five services. Yes, sir. Bless you. By now, you ought to be in your husband's house. Bless you, sir. Where is your wife? What are you doing? You ought to be living in your own house by now. Thank you, sir. We're praying. Trusting the Lord. Thank you, sir. Thank you. By now, hello, unless God gave you his destiny for my life, you have no idea what should be happening by now. You don't. You don't have the faintest idea what should be happening now. You don't. Why? Because in one moment, I'm that little guy running around in the bush struggling with bears and with lions. And in another moment, I am the giant slayer. The oil has been on my head. The seed has been deposited. But I was in hiding. Don't come and pressure me. You were not there when you wrote the story of my life. You were not there. Let's stop picking the, the stories of people that will make it more difficult for you to sleep at night. Listening to Apostle Sel Selman, Koinonia Global, a ministry blessing the world. He just said it in passing. He has been doing school of ministry for eight years, teaching ministers, raising ministers for eight years. But as far as people are concerned, he, he just fell. He just fell from the sky. Listening to Pastor Matthew on the Morning Glow. He said, when KICC started in the UK, it took Europe by storm. And people were commenting, this new church. That just started taking the whole continent and he just looked at them by 1992 when KICC started he said he had 18 years pastoral experience 18 good years 18 good years so hear me child of God God didn't lie when he showed you his promises God didn't lie when he showed you those pictures he's deliberately ensured that you're in a period of incubation and in that place, the pressure must not get to you. Don't allow that pressure get to you. The only thing you should be doing by now is right there in the will of God. And if you don't, if you are not listening with the ear of the Spirit, you will think this is this is condoning mediocrity. It's not. It's not a place of sleeping. It's a place of incubation. It's a place of character development. It's not. A, it's not like nothing is going on. There's a lot going on. There are stirrings going on. God is molding you. God is making you. Got a call once from one of a very loved, beloved, dear mentor. And that's why I said sometimes it's good intentions. He just called. He said, how are you doing? Dio? I said, fine. How is Lola? Day? Oh, we are fine. Thank you, sir. He said, how many years have you been in Canada now? I answered. He said, don't you think by now you should be in your own house? I said, we are, we are walking towards it, sir. 
Thank you, sir. It will happen very soon. He said, very, very good. Very, please work on it. Please work on it. And then after the call, I just called, I called my wife. I said, we, this moment, we need to dance and rejoice to God. Because if this call had come a few months back, you know when you just, you just close your Bible first? Close your Bible, you know? Close church, close everything, close everything. Now God meet God. Say, God, really? What are we doing? God, what are we doing? There are many people who have prematurely aborted destiny because they received so-called counsel. And they, they absorbed the pressure. Hear me? Some of you will need to write this down. When you imbibe pressure, it will lead you to one of two Ds. It will lead you to desperation or it will lead you to depression. Both of them are dangerous. Dear man of God, people are not shouting in your services. It's shouts of joy. No, 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 shout of joy. Shout of fall. Shout of fall. Okay, okay, sir. So someone now tells you there's something you can do somewhere if you want shout of fall. And God is hiding you. God is molding you. God is building you. And you're saying, God, your curriculum. You know God's curriculum is not even like school curriculum. Where you know it's six months or eight months. His own curriculum does not have, and it is your, your participation that quickens the process. You graduate by obediences. Pardon my French. I just had to add that. Your, your, your consistent obedience will fast track your promotion. In that hiding place, and suddenly the Lord says, my son is ready. My daughter is ready. Who is that demon from hell that now wants to say anything at this point? It melts all the pressure. Takes all the pressure away. Somebody say glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. So this high place that the Lord is beckoning on us to, it's a place of, of, of seclusion. Number one, it provides a conducive environment for transformation to take place. Number two, it melts away entitlement. Melts away entitlement. When you listen to the real stories of great men, you will hear stories of scars, stories of pain, nights of pain, nights of doubts, where you were so sure God did not, and I, I, I'm saying this, I've been there myself. Nights and times when I've wondered, God, did you, times when I've almost folded the towel, and I'm like, God, you know what? I'm done officially. In the field I was, I wasn't struggling. I, I can always go back. And God is saying that exactly the problem. That you can always go back is the problem. Until I know you are here and you are here. Then we can get started. Hmm. Somebody say glory to God. Number three. This place of incubation, it reveals to you your real army. Your true army and your greatest treasure. This is where you know your real friends. It is in the place of incubation that you know your real friends. You don't know your friends until you've been through adversity. What you, what you have, you have fans and acquaintances, not people you can take territories with. The people you are going to take the nations with are those who have been there with you through thick and thin, even when we are not seeing what we are trusting God for yet. But they don't leave you. Why? Because what they believe in is in the seed you carry, in the destiny God has set, and in the process there. They are, not, they, are, they, are not, they are not fake people just there to enjoy the fame. Not just there to enjoy the fame. Once, when 
Elizabeth showed up with the baby. People came around and started dancing and jubilating. She knew if I had not eaten this thing for five months, maybe you guys could have killed what I was carrying. But now, having done my part, now I've come out, it's now too late for you to do anything. It is now at a point where scripture says, it shall spring forth, shall you not know it. At that point, it is not your own announcement. It is now announcing itself. The place of incubation shows you who your real army is. We've had our own fair share. I've had, the, I've had my own fair share. Where you say, are you ready to fight? I'm ready to fight. Are you ready for battle? I'm ready for battle. Okay, we're ready for battle. Anyways, this battle, we're expecting some AK-47s. I'm speaking figuratively, please. All right. <laughs> expecting some machine guns. All right. Expecting some, some crazy... I'm, I'm, I'm speaking a parable, and some people understand this parable. That's the beauty of this parable. You know, some amazing, amazing um, tanks are coming. Oh, wow. Going to fight. <laughs> Canada, we hear it. Just shoot everything. All right. And then suddenly, you don't see this package. You, you, you think it is a tank coming. You, know, you don't open the tank. You don't see water gone. And as you just <laughs> as you just see the water gun, you're like, boy, why are you going to shoot with this? And hear the Spirit of God say, pick it up. Pick it up. That's when you know you're real soldiers. Some soldiers will look at you and say, are we, are we here to play? <laughs> Please. You didn't tell me it's paint. What's that thing called? Is it paintball? You didn't tell us it's paintball. You said we're going to take territories. You don't use water guns to take territories. God says, you use what I give you to take territories. It doesn't have to be gun. It doesn't have to be tank. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be the way territories have been taken before. First hmm. Samuel chapter 22 and verse 2. First Samuel chapter 22 and verse 2. David understands this incubation thing we are talking about. He carried that oil and he was running around from pillar to post with oil on his head. At the times when he had the opportunity, and I, I can say this prophetically, you and I will always have at least one or two chances to short-circuit the process. You will always have it. Please don't take it. Someone said the longest way to get to your destination is to take shortcuts. It doesn't save you time. It prolongs your journey. I don't know, I don't know where I can look at or who needs to hear this. Don't take shortcuts. Hear me? I don't know who you are. You are in ministry. You are a man of God. You are a worship leader. You are, you are a captain in industry. You are someone in the marketplace. And you've seen those pictures clearly. You know what God has told you. And you know you heard him clearly. I ain't doubting that you heard clearly. I ain't doubting that you saw clearly. I'm only announcing to you that there is a process involved. And if any other hand is going to contribute to bringing you there besides the hands of God, that's not God's plan for you. Don't take shortcuts. Shortcuts prolong your journey. He had at least two, two opportunities. The, oh, why, why am I not on the throne? Because Saul is alive. It's not calculus. Is that difficult? The only reason was because Saul was alive. So if Saul is dead, I have the throne, right? Right? The first time, David said, I can't do this. The second time, his servant saw that, David, you can't do this thing. Your heart is too pure. And hear me, hear me. Boy, oh boy. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes you claim your heart. 
is following the process. If you surround yourself with people who are rebels and doing the dirty job for you, your journey will be even longer. Because they came to David and said, David, you don't have to kill Saul. Just authorize me. This is the only person that is... He wants to kill you. Don't you get it? Don't you get... God will understand. God will... Where we, where, didn't we hear of the grace and the anointing that even Saul himself said it? That you are God has chosen you to be king in his stead. He knows it is going to happen. He's fighting a meaningless battle. Let's get him out of the way. Samuel anointed you. That palace is yours. That throne is yours. And you don't even have to touch him. Just give us the permission. Let's do it for you. Hmm. David said, I won't kill him and you won't kill him. We won't touch the Lord's anointed. We won't kill him, yes. You won't kill him, yes. The Lord's anointed? Does Does the Lord's anointed chase after a boy? Does the Lord's anointed want a boy dead? Who am I to him? What kind of threat do I pose to him? He ain't the Lord's anointed. To you, he's not. To me, he's the Lord's anointed. And God will get me to that throne when God is ready for me to sit on that throne. And if Saul is going to die, his blood won't be on my hands. You know how God did it? The day Saul died in battle, David was not on the battlefront. God kept him far. You know, you can say, I didn't kill, I didn't kill Saul, but you just shot one arrow. And the arrow was just going random, random. He just lied. God said, no, 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 no chance that it's Saul's blood, not on your hands. Yes, you have blood on your hands, but not the blood connected to your destiny. Not that one. Not that one. You won't go to war on that day. Somebody say, I'm all the way up. So this place of seclusion, it's, it's, and, and many of us humans, we are funny. The real friends that love you, the real friends that pray for you, the real friends that have got your back, sometimes are the ones you are not interested in. And the ones that don't like you are the ones you constantly want to impress and get into their circle, not knowing that their own circle does not even exist. They are living a fake existence. And sometimes they are working so hard just to look like them and to impress them. You want to get in so much. And the day you need anything, they've disappeared. I was listening to a man of God. I will probably tell us more about him in the coming weeks. He received a diagnosis. And he knew that his clock was, but he was young. I think he said he was 36 or 37 when he received, this is almost 20 years ago now, when he received that diagnosis. He said something in passing when I was listening to his story. Because I'm not a blogger. I'm not listening for the high point of your story. So I can go and I'm listening to the lessons of your journey. He said for four good years, he had six pastor friends that would come and do vigil in his house every second Friday for four years. Ha! When I heard that, I said, Lord, I'm not looking for emergency, but really, blessed are thou if you have two friends that can do one vigil with you for your own matter, your own case. Those are your friends. Those are your friends. Your friends are not those that go with you to the mall. Your friends are those that go with you to the mountain. 
Those are your friends. Those are your friends. That they can leave their meal. They just ordered this freshly killed goat. Their freezer is full and brimming with joy. And you say, hey, babe, this is what I'm going through. I've received God's word. Can you agree with me? Can you agree with me? Say, I got you. Not fake, I got you. <laughs> I got you. And before you know it, you just see them on Instagram, you know, beachside, chilling, sipping, pina colada, you know, <laughs> chewing on. I'm like, hey, I, I thought we was fasting together, man. I said, bro, I've, com- I've committed you to God's hands. He's <laughs> the one who's able to keep you. <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't bear this pressure. We need friends like that. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Friends made for the days of adversity. Not, not if those days will come. When those days come, who will your real family be? You know, Jesus was giving us that insight. Many people see it as an excuse to dishonor their family. When they said, Jesus, your mother is out there. Your brother is out there. They want to see you. And Jesus said, who is my mother? Who really are my brothers and my sisters? It is those that wake up with me at 5 a.m. Amen. 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 Because those are the people people we are praying together. Anyways. Who is your brother? Who is your sister? If you can't pray with me, that's fine. You are family. But I know my real family. If you can't fast with me, that's fine. You are my friend. But I know my real friends. I know my real friends. These are the ones that can come visit me in the place of incubation. And when they go through my cocoon, they are not using blades to tear it down and using words to poison everything God is building. These are not people who have come to say, "What? tell us, like, like Job's friend, say, tell us the real secret sin. Let's, let's beg God for you. But tell us the real thing. You can, we are your friends. You can open up to us. And I know you, and you have a tape recorder beside you. You want to be the one who, 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 how do they say, the person who releases a story? Broadcast. You want, you want to own the rights to this shame? Not my life. Not your life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Mm. People who can enter your cocoon and comfort you. They may not even have to say a word. They will say, we'll stay here with you. I had that testimony for good years. Every month. Praying, and the and the condition physically was getting worse. This man of God said he was still doing doing service, so, and people were getting healed. Anyhow, if I is as if the anointing increased, and every second Friday in his own house, trusting the Lord, Father, your healer, standing on scriptures. Glory to God! I said, glory to God. This place of incubation reveals to you who your real, true army are. Your real friends. The ones you can take nations with. First Kings, First Kings chapter 1. First Kings chapter 1. Let's see verse 41 to 43. First Kings chapter 1. First Kings chapter 1 verse 41. And Adonijah and all the guests that were with him heard it as they had made an end of eating. Somebody say end of eating. So you, you can tell what kind of friends this were, right? In case you are not familiar with this story, the Bible tells us that David had become an elderly man. He was now not the little boy, giant slaying, you know, Goliath destroying, Israel leading, you know, Bathsheba marrying, Uriah killing, amen. 
Glory to God. Psalms writing, wonderful king in Israel, Zion building. David was now an elderly man. And one of his sons, Adonijah, said, I am going to be king in my father's stead. He got prophets. Hear me. The fact that you have prophets doesn't mean you are in the will of God. That's a deception today's world is living in. I have my own prophets. Look at it in scripture. Everyone who had personal adopted prophets outside of the body of Christ, it was inched on idolatry and witchcraft. Go and check it well. Check. Check it. Go and check it. So let's just leave that. Carried prophets. Carried a few people and declared, self-proclaimed, I am king. I am the king. And he got his friends. Somebody say his friends. They gathered together. They were eating. Joab. One day we'll talk about this Joab guy. He said, yes, go. I'm with you. You're the new king. You don't worry, David. I'll talk to him. I'll talk to him. But the wise mother, Bathsheba, remembered that David had said, and you know how David knew Solomon was going to be king? It was destiny. He was going to be king. Why? Because God said, I'm going to give you a son who will be a man of peace. He won't have blood on his hands. He will build my house. So Bathsheba went to David and said, oh king, guess what? This is what you said and this is what is going on. Shortly as she was speaking, Nathan, they had planned it. Nathan came in. And then David said, no, 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 no. We have to fix this. Now this right moment installs Solomon in accordance with my word as king. So do we understand the background now? All right, so let's go back to 41. And Adonijah and all the guests that were with him heard it as they had made an end of eating. So they ate his food well. And when Joab heard the sound of the trumpet, he said, Wherefore is this noise of the city being in an uproar? Verse 42. And while he yet spake, behold, Jonathan, the son of Abiathar the priest, came. And Adonijah said unto him, Come in, for thou art a valiant man, and you bring us good news. Well, good news indeed. Verse 43. And Jonathan answered and said unto Adonijah, Verily, our Lord King David has made Solomon king. That's a powerful statement. And the people around knew the implications. And, you know, Jonathan went, gave details. This is what happened. This is how it was done. This is what they did. And now Solomon is now ready to take over the nation. Let's jump to verse 49. Is that in your Bible? Is that in your Bible? Can we, can we, can we read this verse together, if you don't mind? And all the guests What? Not even one person who really believed that there is Adonijah king, Adonijah and Adonijah's destiny. Not one person. Who will say, Adonijah, I've got your back. Not one person. Not one person. All fake, but they were there at my invitation. They drove in their luxury cars and came and we had this wonderful meal together. But just the very first, what if this noise was, what if Jonathan was even just playing with us? You mean this is really how you guys are gone? Let me tell you the friends that you will keep for a long time. They are the friends that are attracted by the destiny you carry. Not by the things you carry. 
Friends that are interested in the things you carry will disappear when those things are no longer available. But friends that you attract because of the destiny you carry, they will be there in thick, they will be there in thin. When thin is thinnest, they will still be there. Many times when we now get back to the thick, we relegate the friends who were there in thin to the back. We almost tag them as the friends for the thin. And all these jokers and, 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 and fake people will show up that, oh, you're now the biggest talk of town. All the guests that were with him were afraid. They rose up and went every man his way. Number one, the place of incubation is the conducive environment for transformation. Number two, it melts away entitlement and pressure. Number three, it reveals to you your army and your greatest treasure. Somebody say greatest treasure. Somebody say greatest treasure. Let's go to the New Testament as we begin to tie this up and see that this, this thing is really human behavior. Trusting the Lord next week, Sunday, we'll be talking about this, this, this core matter of destiny. By God's grace, if Jesus tarries. But let's see it in the New Covenant, Philemon chapter 1. For those of us who, when you are reading the Bible and you get to some boring places, you just fast forward, you know, and, and Jesus begat Ami, Ami, come here, and you know, you thought you've passed it, you now say another begat, am I not done begatting? Please, you know, move on, all right? Or in the New Testament, after all the revs and revs and revs, you now see Paul, a prisoner of Christ, Epaphroditus, all those powerful names, Fortunatus. In the house of Sitikus and Melikus sent their greetings. This is not New Testament. You know? What am I doing here? Alright? So I'm going to force you to read that part of the New Testament you know like this morning. Glory to God! Are you still in church this morning? So let's read verse 23 and 24 of Philemon. It says, There salutes thee Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. Verse 24. Mark also is greeting you. Aristarchus also is greeting you. Demas also is greeting you. Luke also is greeting you. And he called all these guys my what? All my guys are ballers. That's really what Paul was saying here. All my guys are ballers. All right. Okay. So let's go to Colossians chapter 4. All my guys are still ballers. Colossians chapter 4. I know you don't like all these parts, but please, there's wisdom here for us. Verse 14. It says, Luke, the beloved physician. So this was the same Luke, all right? And Demas, they greet you. So all my guys are still what here? Ballers, right? So let's go to 2 Timothy. Now, Paul had grown old. There had been enough time for real character to show. For us to know who the real guys are and who the fake guys are. So now he's writing to Timothy's son. He says, so, my, oh my, do your diligence to come unto me shortly. He says in verse 10, for Demas has forsaken me. Having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Christians to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. It says in verse 11, almost painfully. I can almost see the tears rolling down his eyes. 
Only Luke is with me. Time has revealed who my real guys are. Time has shown me, says, take Mark, bring him with thee. He's profitable to me for ministry. I now know the guys who are pains in the ceiling. Amen. I know them now. But thank God for the season of incubation. It has revealed to me that Demas wasn't real. I now know the real ones. The ones who will pray with me. The ones who will hold my hands. Number four. In the place of incubation. God is not encouraging fear when he keeps us in this cave of Adulam and is molding and making us. It's not as if God is saying, oh, I just blessed you with a new house and I'm saying don't announce it to people because the witches from your village will come and steal the house. No, that's not God's fear. And that shouldn't be your fear. He has all power in his hands. He's not, there's nothing no witch can do, really, when you stand on God's word. If you don't know God's word, there is something they can do. Please, balance what I've said. Don't say PD said they can't do anything. They can do a lot if you are ignorant of who you are in Christ Jesus. But if you know who you are in Christ Jesus, they can't do anything to you. And knowing who you are requires you to insist on who you are and the authority you have. If that is you, they can't do you anything. Alright? Having balanced that thought, God is not promoting paranoia. He's saying this seclusion. There's something that happens there. But there's something about the words of men and the words of women that such things have shown you clearly in the light. You begin to doubt it when you get in the dark. And in the dark place, the only voice you need is the voice that reminds you of what you heard in the light. The moment you begin to hear new voices, somebody say new voices, that were not there when you heard what you heard, that were not there when you saw what you saw. That were not there when God, the, sh- the pictures God has shown us for this ministry. God did not lie. God did not lie. But there's something called toxic unbelief. And that's number four. Toxic unbelief. Toxic unbelief is where you begin to mix the words you've heard with the realities of the well-wishers around you. They tell you, oh no, it can't happen. Now, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, why do you think you're going to have a son? Who is raising your up? I, I thought we've settled this phase. Why do you think you're still going to have a baby? Why do you think you're still going to get married? Why, why do you think you're going to break free from this thing? This breakthrough, breakthrough, just have peace. You're going to heaven. Isn't that good enough for you? Well, we share the quote unbelief with good intentions. The summary of what you're saying is that God has lied. And if you can remind yourself that the voice of unbelief is only saying one thing. God is a liar. Then you will fight it. You will not accept it. I can hear what you are not saying. You are just, you are really painting it, painting it. Uh, My sister, whether you start with my sister or not, it doesn't change the fact that in that moment you are playing the role of devil. You are playing the role of the accuser. Whether you say, my brother, my sister, let's be realistic. Hey, my reality is God's word. Let's be realistic. What? Why don't you try this? Why don't we go here? We are not going there. We are staying on God's word. And if you can't stay with me on God's word, thank you for coming. 
Thank you for coming. Oh, can we still be friends? I will pray for you. I will love you from a distance. I will love you from a distance. But your voice has become a voice of toxicity. So that when you see me, you are seeing that this seed is no longer open to suggestions and opinions. It's, it's way too formed for your opinions to matter. It has taken so much life and so much shape that your unbelief now meets it with a shock. Oh, so this is what has been going on. Ah, glory to God. Hey, God is faithful. Now you know God is faithful. So for your faith and for my faith, I will hide it from you. Don't see why didn't you tell us? Just rejoice with me now. God has done it. Can, can you just rejoice with me? God has done it now. Why didn't you tell us you were going through? Does it matter I was going through? I've come out of it. Why did you want to know? To pray with me? But God has already answered. You were really looking for gist. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1 to 3. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1 to 3. This is a scripture you know. I know you know it. But let's read it with the new lens of the spirit once this morning. I will stand upon my watch. I will set me upon the tower. I will watch to see what he will say unto me. And what I shall answer when I am reproved. This is me in the open place. So when God shows up, he says, write the vision. Go and write it somewhere. Don't expose it. You don't have to tweet it. You don't have to Instagram it. That by the end of 2021, this is where I will be. By the end of 2022, except by God is not God. You can't bully God into performance. It says in verse 3, the vision is for an appointment. There is a set time for it. Stay in the place of preparation. There is a set time for it. At the end, it shall speak. It will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not tarry. But in that process, don't mix with it unbelief. Don't prematurely expose it to, to sharks and scorpions and vipers that all they are saying with a lot of words, sometimes with scriptures, is that God has lied. At this point, won't you consider this? Consider this. This is your God that you said he will heal you. Can't he heal you in six months? I don't need no voice of fear, depending on who you are. Sometimes you just have to cast you out. All right? But depending on who you are, we might just say thank you, sir. Or thank you, ma. He's still casting out. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. But I love number five. I love number five. I love number five. Are you happy you, check, you came to church this morning? What's the first thing that happens in the place of incubation? It's a conducive environment for transformation. The second thing is that it melts away entitlement and pressure. Number three, it reveals to you your real army and that your greatest treasure are the people that are with you in the thick and in the thin. Number four, it shields you from toxic unbelief. People using many words to say the same thing that God is a liar. And number five, it sets you up for a glorious manifestation. It sets you up for a glorious manifestation. It sets you up for a glorious manifestation. I just need you to just put your hand on your chest and say God is not a man that he should lie. Every word he has said to me, he will bring it to pass. Can you just reassure yourself again? God is not a man 
that he should lie. Every word he has spoken to me, he will surely bring it to pass. Come on, can you say it one more time like you believe it? God is not a man that he should lie. Every word he has spoken to me, he will surely. Somebody say, he will surely. You are the one counting time. He will surely bring it to pass. First John chapter 3 and verse 2 as we bring this morning's service to a close. First John chapter 3 and verse 2. God is faithful. I might not know many things, but I know God is faithful. I might not know a lot, but I know God is true to his word. And you are the one counting time. You are the one counting days. You are the one counting weeks. You are the one counting years. But I know my God is not late. My God is not late. He's never late. You are the one saying this is delay. In his book, it is perfect timing. He makes it beautiful. I am not rushing with you. If you are not up the way there, it will look like a race. But when you come up there, God pulls you out of the race. Who, who, who made the timetable? By now, you should have five cars. Who, who wrote the timetable? By now, you should have four children. Where in scripture is it written? He's preparing you and I for a glorious manifestation. And when he releases you, then you will be ready. Because guess what? The place of manifestation is a tough place. The lights burn. The comments hurt. You've sown seeds. You've prayed. You've fasted. God blesses you. And one liar somewhere just posts something. PD embezzles KICC funds. Blog posts. And it's everywhere. If you've not gone through incubation, you will reach that kind of thing and it will hurt you. You will not there. You will not there. We were nothing. We had nothing in this house. When you see people talking like that, they that incubation, God just mercifully packaged them out of it. The real champions will smile. Say that's they are doing their work. Oh. They are doing their job. I am doing my job. And if you think you've seen something, this is not even where God is taking me to. So get ready to start writing more articles. Get ready to that million you say I embezzled. KCC should better go and start increasing more millions. All right, because at some point your life will not add up again. But I will dignify you with a response. Thou kiddest. Thou kiddest. Thou kiddest. There is a glorious manifestation that God is setting you and I up for. It's a time when you will now be ready. You'll be ready both for the applause and for the criticisms. You'll be ready both for the light, the illumination, and the exposure that comes with it. Can you afford to be the talk of town? That your wife will always be on the front covers and it's all lies. She did it, she said it. You did it. it see, glory has a way of changing everything, but God can prepare us for it. He can prepare us for it. His glory is weighty and it prepares us for it. First John chapter 3 and verse 2. Beloved, we are even here and now God's children. This is a statement of identity. It says every other thing we want to read now, it won't make sense unless you can settle identity. I have a father who loves me more than I love myself. I have a father who is committed to his plan for me more than I am committed to it. His destiny that I carry is heavily invested in it. And so he says to announce to you that it is not yet disclosed what you shall be. Men cannot guess what you shall be. He says, but we know that when he comes, 
and is unveiled and is manifested, we shall resemble and be like him, for we shall see him just as he really is. This is a prophetic word that also speaks about the time of manifestation. That's when the time of manifestation comes, it won't look like you. We almost won't believe that it was this lover that went into this process that has come out as this beautiful creature that is no longer crawling with the crowd but is now fly, flying and flying beautifully so I'm coming out be patient and if you can't be patient be quiet and if you can't be quiet I'm going to plug my ears and I'll fill my heart with words of faith that God has not lied to me he's faithful and he's true rise up on your feet rise up on your feet Rise up on your feet and say, Father, thank you. Thank you for what you are doing in me. Thank you for what you are doing with me. Now we make sense. It's not as if you are deaf. It's not as if you don't hear. Some of us remember those nights where we prayed. And your journal, you wrote and you wrote and you wrote. And pressure has come. And you are looking, God, did you lie to me? Did you deceive me? Did you deceive me? And he's saying, I don't know how to deceive I am too faithful. My faithfulness didn't start now. I've been faithful to the fathers. Your fathers, they looked to me and they were not ashamed. You won't be the first. You won't be the first. You just fix your eyes on Jesus. You just look and leave my brother. Look and leave my sister. Look to Jesus. Stop looking at the winds and the waves. Look to Jesus. Stop looking at the pressure of social media. Look to Jesus. Stop looking at the trends and the prices and what the economy is saying that you will never be able to do this. You will never be able to do this. You will never be able to thank you for your opinion. But I live my life on superior principles. It's an unfailing word of God. It was not written today. It was not written in 2021. It was written time proof. Recession proof. Lie proof. It's the fine tested word of God refined seven times in the furnace. Thank you, Jesus. Your word is true. My God is able to do all that he says he will do. Yes. He's gonna fulfill every promise. No exception. No exception. To you, my brother, my sister, hear me, hear me, Don't give up on God. He's not done with you yet. I'm in hiding. I'm in hiding. It looks like five months. I'm in hiding. It looks like five years. I'm in hiding. It looks like it's taking for long. It looks like it's taking too long. I'm in incubation. My God is able. My God is able to do. Just what he says, everything is promised. He's gonna fulfill every word, not one jot, no modifications to his master plan. Don't give up on God because he's not giving up on you. Come on, help me shout. He's able. Hey, yeah. Come and shout it like you believe it. Say he's able. 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 
is able. My God is able. He's able. Exceedingly abundantly. Far and above. More than you could ever ask or think. He's able. Thank you, Jesus. You are an able God. All powerful. Thank you for the beauty you are painting. Thank you for the edifice you are crafting with these lives. It looks like mud now. It looks like a joke. But you see us and you see beauty. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Someone on this sound of my voice, you are exhausted and you are tired. You are really, really, really done being patient. And almost like Job, you are saying, God, if we took this case to a court, everyone will agree that I have waited faithfully. I've waited faithfully. I have friends that compromised. I know where they went to. I know what they did. I decided and I chose to wait on you. And now, I'm the talk of the town. I'm the fool of society. The only wrong is that I trusted you. The only wrong is that I waited on you. That's the only offense I have. You almost feel like someone in him. You are my God. You are my God. We can call on your name and end up in shame. There's no way. There's no way. You are a faithful God. You are a faithful God. You are faithful, God. You are faithful, God. You are faithful, God. Thank you, Jesus. Very quickly, I just want to pray two groups of people. The first group, you know you don't know Jesus. You are all the way down. Without Jesus, men might be clapping for you. Your social media influence might be increasing. Your friends might think you are the coolest thing ever. More followers, more applause, more invitations, more glitz, more glam. But it's all emptiness if you don't have Jesus. Every platform that does not elevate Christ is a scaffold waiting to disintegrate. And what a great fall it will be. And you can hear me. You can hear me right now and you're saying, no, no, my life is good. My life is fine. Sincerely, I can't complain. I have a beautiful wife. I have an handsome husband. My family is perfect. We have a good income. We can live in the city. We own our own house. Our mortgage is paid. And truth is, everything you've mentioned so far are things that end under the sun. We don't pay mortgage in heaven. And there's no mortgage in hell too. But God didn't make, he didn't create it for anyone. He's made a way for you. He's made a way for me. Not just for life in eternity, but even for dominion here on earth. I'm reaching out to you if, not, if you've not said yes to Jesus. Or you said yes to him and you know the yes you said was a fake yes. You said yes, I'll follow you and you just literally continued in your own ways. And today you are hearing that he has a great plan for you. Yes, that plan may involve some hiding, some incubation, some seclusion, some, some years in the cave of Adullam, even though oil is on your head, but you know is worth waiting for. I want to hold my hands with yours this morning. 
and invite you to the greatest family ever. It's the family of God. Those of us who have said yes to Jesus, Lord and Savior, you died, you were buried, you're alive. Just say this prayer with me, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Today, I believe that you are the Son of God and that you took my place. I receive the fullness of your life. I confess that you are Lord and Savior over my life. That's it. Father, thank you for your sons and daughters. Some for the first time. Some returning again to rededicate their lives. These are the ones you died for. These are the ones you saved. I ask that your joy will fill their hearts. Let there be a supply of your spirit and let grace be multiplied in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, gracious Father, because it is done. For in Jesus' name, we are prayed. The second category I want to pray for very quickly, within the next 60 seconds, you know, you know, you sense that you are in an appointed season and you feel that there is an external hand trying to prolong what God has wrapped up. You sense that this delay is no longer process. This is no longer incubation. You sense the end of the adversary. This morning, by the authority in the name of Jesus, we are going to agree together and we are going to command every imposter. We are going to command every intruder. We are going to command that voice of the accuser to get of that life, to get of that destiny, to get of that miracle. Come on, anybody ready to agree with me? Anybody ready to agree with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand by the authority in your name and by the victory secured for us through the blood of Jesus. That everyone under the sound of my voice in the room or watching online who is going through a pit that has been dug by the enemy, who is going through a patch that has been orchestrated specifically to cause rebellion and to cause their hearts to fail and to look at God and to call God a liar. You adversary responsible for that pain, responsible for that, for that, for that, for that, for that difficulty in the life of that child of God. We command you to get your hands off that life. In the mighty name of Jesus, every destiny, every breakthrough whose time has come in accordance with scripture that thou shall arise and favor Zion for the set time. The appointed time has come. I speak over your life. No further delay. It is that season of manifestation. Let your destiny come alive. In the mighty name of Jesus. Every generational trend. Every pattern that has been imbibed subconsciously. That is perpetuating delay. That makes you to expect it. That makes you to say, oh, things are always slow for me. In this family, we are the ones that, you know, it just happens last. We break that stronghold in the mighty name of Jesus. And we shift you to a new lineage. You now belong in the order of the tribe of Judah. You now have new bloods flowing through your veins. You now have a new heritage. Yes, there are generational patterns. But this is the generation of them that seek thee, that seek thy face, O Jacob. This is the generation of the righteous. And the patterns in this generation is glory. The pattern here is beauty. 
The burden here is favor. The burden here is that there are no longer delays. Therefore, we shift you from that lineage and we implant you into a new lineage and we decree that today marks the new beginning. In that life, it marks a new beginning. In that family, it marks a new beginning. In that marriage, it marks a new beginning. In that home, it marks a new beginning. In that ministry, it marks a new beginning. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, gracious Father, because it is done. For in Jesus' name, we are praying. Come on, if you can, jam those ends together. Give the Lord a big shout! Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by the sermon. And if you would love to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, feel free to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. To be a part of the giving, you can give our email at info, I-N-F-O, at kicccanada.ca or through our website at www.kicccanada.ca slash donate. God is doing amazing things in our midst and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember you are a champion. God bless you.